0: Hey, my name is Scott Monroe, Chief Brand Officer at 31 Gifts, and you are listening to the Slapcast.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Slapcast. This is Shannon Lee, and I'm so glad that you're here. Just a reminder, the Slapcast is a podcast of Relay. It's all about leaders from all over the place who are committed to figuring out this thing that we call servant leadership, but of course, without taking ourselves too seriously. Now, you may be asking why there's a slap in Slapcast. It sounds a little aggressive, doesn't it? Just just a little bit. I explained this back in, what was it, Jonathan, episode one or two? I can't remember now. In episode two. I explained it in episode two. And so you'll have to go back and listen to that to really get the backstory. But the short version is that it stands for service, love, action, passion. These are the core values of our organization Relay. And so if you want to learn about how that came up, go back and listen and uh, you'll figure that out. Now, If you want to connect with us on the daily you can do so on twitter facebook and instagram the handle is at relay leadership that's r-e-l-a leadership i encourage you to share this podcast and also follow us uh, i'm sorry download and subscribe to this podcast with your Apple podcast, or anywhere that you get your podcast, all right now, if you need to reach out to us directly, I want to hear from you if you've got ideas for future podcasts, if you have a question, a comment, a concern, you can email me at info at relayleadership dot org and we will get right back to us and we appreciate you. Uh, writing to us. Now today on the show we have Scott Monroe. Scott is the chief brand officer of 31 gifts. We're going to learn about Scott's leadership journey and of course dive into our theme this month which is all about leadership being love. Let's go. Okay, so excited to have you here today. Scott, welcome. What's up? What's up? What, what? what? Uh, Scott, you and I met. I, I actually don't remember exactly how we met, but I'm going to tell you what I do remember. I think it was a relay event years ago, and then you ended up on the board. Like, that's my recollection. Can you fill yeah, in any blanks I, there?
0: <laughs> no, I uh, I had been to uh, Prayer Breakfast. I think I... Uh, somehow got to know the organization uh, you had probably just come on
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh and i 'd been asked to be on the board and i 'm like sure why not I, I love the organization love what uh love what you guys do and for us we 're always trying to figure out the whole leadership thing and and at, at the time, especially for us, there was a connection to our faith and in, in the in the marketplace and how we do that and and uh I just loved it so yeah, I think we met there yeah
1: soon. yeah and Relay at the time was going through tremendous transition. Yeah, and I actually good. talked about this a couple episodes ago to kind of bring mm-hmm. on episode one, I wanted to kind of bring everybody current. And so I went back to the history, even into my own leadership history. And because of your expertise around branding, marketing, you were really instrumental in, in asking some pretty tough questions of the board and the staff around, why are we doing what we're doing? Are we actually executing on what we're doing? And so folks, when, if you remember back on the first episode, I talked about those tough questions. Many of those tough, tough questions came from Scott. And so those are hard things to do. To, to yeah. hear, you know, it's, it's almost like saying, here's my baby, and you told us it was a little ugly. Not literally. <laughs> I mean, you love the organization. We know that. And so yeah. because there was that trust, we could hear it. It's just that we had to ask those tough questions, and you were a big part of, of leading us through that, which was... Tremendous. I know that sounds weird now, but I mean, it, it was very, very useful at the time. I actually kind of like those tough discussions. I'm a weirdo with that kind no, of stuff. No, I think stuff. they're good.
0: I, we, um, I think we don't ask ourselves those questions enough. Like, and I, I, I grew up as a musician and an artist, and I ended up in marketing only because I learned to play to the crowd. Because if the crowd's not responding, uh, being a jazz musician makes it, made it easier because we could just change directions. But <clears throat> if the crowd's not responding, you change direction. And then I did a lot of, I was, I spent some time teaching and preaching and talking and, and if you're in that position, you need to be flexible and you need to ask yourself questions. Are they responding? Are they not responding? And I think I've just applied that to the kind of the marketplace or anytime I work with any organization, you know, I'm going to ask those questions. Are people getting this and are they getting out of this? what well, really it was intended to do. And if they're not, it's time for us to change direction. It's time for us to look look at some different angles here. Otherwise, we're just wasting our time and wasting their time, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's communication, right? There, there's the first step, which is I say something. And the second step, did you hear what I said? Yeah. Not audibly, but yeah. do we have the same understanding?
0: Is it connecting?
1: Yeah. And a lot of marketing is about that. Yeah. I don't want this to be lost on the listeners. You are a fantastic musician. Oh. No, and I'm not just saying that because you're here. And, I mean, you can pick up, what is it, three or four different types of saxophones. Yeah, yeah. Is the king the same on all saxophones? Yeah, I mean, pretty saxophones
0: much? pretty much a saxophone, is a saxophone, so. But I
1: mean, just, I don't know how, the way you handle modulation, the, If non-instrumentalist, I'm sorry, you're just going to be bored here for yeah. a second. We're getting out on band stuff. Way, I know, but I guess what <laughs> I want to say is, as being a fellow instrumentalist, not a very good one. Um I have an appreciation for that. Yeah. You're a great vocalist. You led worship for years. Yeah. And one of the things that um, that you do among many, 431, is you're pretty integral in, in planning the conference every summer, yeah. right? And the Scott Monroe Band, you head that up. Yeah. And so just before we get into we the leadership- a great singer,
0: too, by the way. You do? Yeah. Her name's Shannon Lee. <laughs> And she's I, one she heck of a trumpet fun. player. too. I didn't know
1: you were going to mention that. Yeah,
0: she's I'm great, not that awesome. great of a trumpet
1: player. I did so. Oh, you're good. Funny story. So two years ago at conference, yeah. I wanted to play really bad. I played on one song, and it was like two notes. They were repeated over and over again. Like I played throughout the song, oh, but yeah. it was two notes pretty much. Boop, yeah. Boop, yeah. Boop, yeah. Boop. It's like D to E, E to D, and um, but because I wanted, I, I was so frustrated that. I didn't have my trumpet anymore because I sold it years ago. I had my husband go out on day two of rehearsals to m- merry-go-round here in Columbus, which is like a used resale instrument. And had him, I said, go, go pick me out a trumpet. And he started sending me pictures one day. And next thing you know, he showed up at the arena with the I'm trumpet awesome. for me. <laughs> awesome. It was so much fun. So I still cool. have it. I'm practicing so that I can bring maybe bring something to the table to the band this year beyond vocals we'll see but that's great fun for me it's just a lot of fun but i want people to know how talented you are at that and Uh, but that's not where it ends so so let's come back to 31 yeah um i'm going to talk a little bit about some specific stories with 31 but i want to talk first about this higher purpose of the organization And the way it's stated, like in black and white on the website, and and the way I've heard you guys talk about it is you want to give women the opportunity to run their own successful businesses. Now, the reason why I say that's a pretty lofty higher purpose is because... For many women, they don't believe that's possible or or haven't in the past. And so this is like a limitless opportunity. There's no glass ceiling here. And also, you guys don't buy into this victim idea that women can't achieve as much, right? right. Because you're like, you've Absolutely. got this opportunity. So yeah. take us back a little bit into the 31 story. Yeah. And I mean, you'll give us the highlights. Tell us kind of how you landed on that purpose, your role in that, and, and really kind of ground the listeners in a little bit of the of the thirty one one hundred one. Yeah,
0: so I was actually in the ministry full time. My wife Cindy uh, was in college, and she actually was a direct seller for another company. And uh, she completed college, got a job in the professional world. She was kind of half supporting me in music and ministry, and and I was you know paying a few bills, not too many. Um, <laughs> And uh, she just had this idea. Um, She saw some product in Atlanta in the merchandise market. Uh, we were down visiting because she had just been as a hobbyist making these little bracelets, and she said, you know I see an opportunity in direct selling for accessories, giftable items, this kind of thing. Nobody's really doing that at the time. We had there were plenty of supplement providers in direct selling. there were plenty of cookware between pampered chef and uh, there was Princess House jewelry. There were a lot of jewelry, but nobody was really doing bags and totes and, and there wasn't much home decor that was being successful and that was relevant. And she just said, you know what? I I love the opportunity that direct selling gives people because she had experienced it herself. It helped her, helped us pay the bills when she was in college. She saw the success that could come from, you know, just anyone from a stay at home mom to, you know, an accountant or a teacher who wants to retire or do something different and uh and so 31 was born we went to the market we begged people for credit enough to <laughs> buy the first few products and um she started it and you know i tell people now people say you're that bag company you guys sell bags well one we don't sell bags mm-hmm. we have uh, upwards of 70,000 plus ladies in the united states and canada that sell those they are independent business owners they are independent contractors all we do is provide an opportunity and we do that you know for 99 bucks a lady can start her business and, and, you know, I think a lot of people get afraid of entrepreneurship because to be a just, you know, start from nothing, cold, entrepreneur, get going, that, that is an, almost an insurmountable task. But what Cindy really saw was an opportunity for us to come in and kind of create the vehicle through the product create the compensation plan so that they can be compensated well and create an opportunity so that women could still be, you know, mom at the soccer game, or they could still make it to the PTA meetings, or they could still go into work during the day and and still carve out some time for a little extra cash on the side. So it really was just about creating opportunity for people that was attainable, that was something they could do. We removed a lot of the barriers and made it possible for women to make a little contribution.
1: Now- you guys started in Chattanooga, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, Chattanooga,
0: Tennessee. Weren't
1: you in an apartment? Am I correct? Six hundred so, square feet. So
0: we've been in a little bit of everything. Um, <laughs> we actually lived in a we lived in a thirty five foot camping trailer. Oh my word! Not too long before we started the business, we were building a house at the time that we were building actually ourselves. We we did about probably forty percent of the labor on the house. We did. Cindy was pregnant with our second kid, and <laughs> <laughs> and we were putting vinyl siding on the house until the wee hours of the night, and just craziness. But in that second uh, in that second house, or in the, I'm sorry, in that house that we built, um, the business started there in the basement, the little basement. It, so it was about probably a 600-square-foot basement, yeah, by the time we finished That's it where and I put our office yeah. in. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, I remember a story—tell me if this is from my imagination yeah. or not—that yeah. in the early days— when the embroidery started that you and Cindy would take shifts yeah. to try to meet orders. And there's actually a picture out there yeah, of something you did. Um, yeah. And that's not really my focus, but yeah. but to really capture the entrepreneurial spirit of what you guys did together in the early days. There. Yeah.
0: You know, we, we had uh, our our good friend, Julie Sutton was kind of Cindy's co-founder and she and her husband helped a lot with catalog layout and photography. And and uh, Julie still works in the business now, but, but, um, but yeah, we, there was one Christmas season. It was actually when we really just started to explode. We started in 2003. By Christmas of 2006 season, things just absolutely exploded. And we were having to monogram. We only had like three machines. We have to monogram, all, you know, thousands of orders and get them out the door. And we actually put uh, air mattresses in the monogramming space, uh, or in the office next to my space, and we would take shifts sleeping with the kids because they were small. Uh, I mean, Evan was Evan was probably four years old. Alex was, you know, six. So it was just kind of a family thing. And we would do like, I always say, like doctors do when they're in med school. You go work for a while and you go take a nap. and You go work for a while, you take a nap. And we did that several days in a row. And then actually had to, because we couldn't get them done fast enough, we had to hand deliver anything that was within a 100 miles of Chattanooga instead of relying on UPS and the post office because we just couldn't get the orders processed fast enough. It was crazy. We did a lot of crazy stuff.
1: That is insane. I wonder if... Kind of back to the comment you made about entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I forget the stat I heard recently. I want to say it's 18 months that a, a new business is formed and like a percentage of them that fail. It's yeah. a high percentage that fail within yeah. 18 months. I know not every business can succeed that starts. I get that. Yeah. But I almost wonder that that level of commitment, right? This was yeah. everything. It was like all in, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if every entrepreneur that starts out understands that it's either all in yeah. or or your chances are next to nothing of succeeding. I mean, that, I, I can really visualize this basement scene with the air mattresses mm-hmm. and you guys were truly all in. Yeah. What else do you think set, whether it be work ethic or whatever, heart, I don't know, what was it that you think set it apart that caused it to really make that difference and, and come out ahead? Because lots of people have tried to do lots of different Business ideas, right. right? And even in the direct marketing yeah. um, sp- space.
0: Absolutely. So I, I would say, first of all, it was Cindy's passion for offering this opportunity to other people. <clears throat> we, um, a lot of times, people say we're a faith based business. Uh, my friend Kenny Sipes here in town actually says they 're a faith uh, i think it 's a faith informed business or a faith inspired business love kenny. I love that <laughs> i 'm stealing that kenny but uh, but we 're more faith inspired uh, we do business we 're in the business of direct selling, uh, but our faith informed that, and I think our love for people and our love for wishing to offer people opportunity to take that like I said before, take down the barriers, but not even that um, To build people's um, confidence, to to build ladies' confidence in themselves through this, really, that was our passion from the beginning. We didn't have any money when we started. We honestly didn't have any hope of making money. And the way we built the compensation plan, it was a number of years before, really, we had kind of positive cash flow to even pay Cindy uh, or pay our staff. Uh, We surrounded ourselves with people who believed in what we were doing for others. uh, And that's what drove the business from the very beginning. It it wasn't about money then. And we've been... I mean, overtly blessed since then, but it's still to us like every day we don't we don't lose sleep over over the numbers and the finances. We lose sleep sleep over whether we're really giving them the best chance for success individually. Every single uh, lady that sells our product.
1: Well, so okay, so that's we didn't plan this, but that's a great lead into our topic, which is this whole idea about leadership and love. Yeah. And what I love about what you just said was that. While there needs to be a compensation plan, right, there needs to be money being made because that creates, that's part of this opportunity, that your focus was on people first. Yeah. That there's an opportunity, there's a person on the other side of this this, um, business plan and that that becomes your focus. And I think for me, that is one of the key differentiators between servant leadership and traditional leadership, that it's about the person first. We're not saying... Revenue is not important, right? Because right? the whole thing's sure. not here if there's no revenue. But, right. but that the focus is on the development and the growth and the opportunity of others. There's one particular story. I mean, as you mentioned, I, I got involved with you guys at, at Conference in the Music. And I'll never forget the first conference I attended in Columbus. Um, oftentimes at conference, you guys will share uh, a story of some radical... Not just change, you know, some woman that went from rags to riches financially, right? It might be that. But also a woman who has fundamentally changed her life, her outlook, the way she shows up in the world because of this opportunity, like changed her faith in humanity almost. And so there's this one particular woman, I don't remember her name, but she, she... was in a professional industry that was not rewarding. It was a um, very difficult world for her. I believe she... I can't remember if she was divorced or not, but I know she was a single mom. She
0: would gladly tell you now she was a dancer.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So
0: we can say that. I, don't, I didn't
1: want to be the one to reveal that. <laughs> no, no, no. But, she um, was a dancer. Yeah, and not, so...
0: Not with the Rockettes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: just in case you're wondering.
1: Not in Las Vegas. Right. with the. Okay, yeah. so um, this wasn't something she... Love doing right. This was no. not her live stream. No. None. I speaking for. I don't want to speak for all women, but for many women I know, we don't wake up saying this is what we want to do right. with our life. Okay. And so, the number thirty one started showing up in her life yeah. over and over again. And I remember yeah. that part of her story. And I'm one of those people that's like, "Oh, come on." Yeah. But I was mesmerized by this story because yeah. you cannot. Denied the coincidence, and some people say, "Oh, there are no coincidences," or they boohoo. But a coincidence, if you look at the root word, is to coincide. Yeah. So all these things started coinciding, and one night she just seen the the number thirty one and thirty one gift somewhere for like the tenth time, and she's like, "I'm going to check out what this is." She knew nothing about the company. Right? She goes and googles yeah. it one night. You know, it's after she's off work, so it's late at night, and. I believe it's still on the website. You can click like find a consultant mm-hmm. and it automatically gives you whoever's closest to you. Sure. And so she sends a little message thinking she's going to hear from this person in a day or so. Immediately her phone rings, and it's this consultant. And <laughs> yeah. the consultant, the reason why the consultant called her was because she had to find out what on earth would prompt her to contact a consultant at 31 at whatever we hour of the morning that yeah. like she had to know what was going on. Sure. In other words, she took that same culture that you described from the early days, people mm-hmm. first, opportunity, and said, I've got to find out what person is on the other side of this question, and how can I help them? To me, that's love. Is there anything else about that story or anything that um, that you can share that, that she got out of that, kind of pulled her out of that and pulled her into this lifestyle? Yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah. And I think for her, she had a community, but the community, like you said, and the profession weren't fulfilling. Uh, She was being appreciated for her looks, not necessarily appreciated for who she was as a person. And what she found when she, you know, our girls talk about the pink bubble, and it's kind of this sisterhood that happens for ladies who are all uh, thirty-one consultants. And they, they really, if you look at people all over the world, it's it, you know, it's why we go to bars and hang out, or it's why people go and play pool, it's why people join fraternities and sororities, it's why a lot of people, quite frankly, go to church. People find places to go. They join organizations. The community is something that we're just starved for, mm-hmm. and it seems like we as people can't get a, get enough. I, I believe we're kind of designed that way. It's not good for any person to be alone. So God made more of us, right? But, um... But I, she found this sense of community that really impacted her in a different way. These people loved her for who she was, not for what she did on stage as a dancer or for, you know, for how she looked. They just loved her. And she got that really quickly with 31 plus. It provided that income, which was important because she had a kid she was trying to feed. Precious, precious, precious kid. And, uh, um, it gave her an opportunity to feed her kid. And, uh, it's funny now you, I see her on, uh, on the social platforms, posting just great business advice and great tips and to see the transformation in her life and to see what that sense of community, what that sense of belonging, what that sense of love has done for her has been absolutely extraordinary. And she's one of just countless thousands of stories where that happens to these ladies. And we're, and we're super proud of it because that's really what we believe we were made to do.
1: Well, it made me a believer. Yeah. I mean, I watched that, and I, I remember I was up in one of the suites— um, just watching it on the big screen and I was just mesmerized. And in a moment, I was like, I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. And, and ultimately right.
0: it impacted her faith. Yeah. Like she came to she came to faith because of, you know, this sense of community and the way people loved her unconditionally.
1: It's it. so amazing. Yeah. It's such a great story. I, I think about it all the time. I can't even tell you how many people I've told that story to. Yeah. Um, seriously. Yeah. Like it has this ripple effect because you can't deny the yeah. life change. And that her life was able to be changed through, and I'm not trying to dumb this down, but through a business model. Yeah. I mean, to me, that is so powerful because I'm a big believer in changing people's life through leadership, through business, through the marketplace. Yeah. So, um, what do you think this whole leadership and, and love conversation? I won't tell you what it is yet, but a couple episodes ago, I shared with the audience. For me, when it's most difficult to love as a leader, yeah. what do you think? Or when is it most difficult for you to love as a leader?
0: Um, I honestly, I think people would say, uh, maybe not. When you have to let somebody go, you would think that's it, and actually, that's when we feel the most love mm. and compassion. And uh, Cindy always says, people. Issues are the things that keep, are the only thing that keep her awake at night. She's, I mean, she can shut off like a machine and, and go to sleep easily. I, I sleep a little more restlessly than than that, but, um, but she does, it, the only thing that keeps her awake is people, and especially when you have to deal with people or let someone go. But I, I think for me personally, I have the hardest time when people, um, when people won't let let their front down and they they want to pretend that they've got all the answers they want to pretend that they've been sent to save the business or or they want to pretend um, uh, pretend that they they got it all figured out and they don't need other people to help them and i just think we were all made to need other people in our lives and we were we were made one of our kind of one of our keys at 31 and one of our focuses the last several years is collaboration is this idea of there's no there's no complete ideas out there you know the disney imagineers say there's no there's no perfect ideas there's also no bad ideas and it takes a team of people collaborating together really to get to that to that good idea and I, in our workplace and this is for internally in our home office the people who support those consultants it's just really important for us to collaborate and when somebody doesn't want to collaborate yeah. that's when i have the hardest time I, I, arrogance is is a tough one for me to swallow although i've probably been guilty of arrogance my uh, you know every musician is at some point in time <laughs> in their life right but I, I just think it's it is really really tough for me to to get over that hurdle when somebody wants to be arrogant and and not and not admit they need other people to contribute with them
1: yeah, yeah. well Excuse me. How do you, thinking about your role there, chief brand officer, um, how do you leverage that position in particular to really infuse love, caring to the people that work for you, work around you? Um, what are some? Can you think of two or three things specifically yeah, sure. that you do in, with intention?
0: Sure. Well, people always ask me about that title. Uh, I've been called chief branding officer, chief brand officer. I came out of marketing and, and gave that to someone way more qualified than me a few years ago. But honestly, for us, brand is is the culture of who we are. It is. Um, I always say brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Brand is what makes an impact on people. It's this isn't about our marks and our logos and the color of our catalogs and product—that's not it. That's right. branding. In my mind, brand is is more who you are. Um, so I, I've kind of Cindy always calls me the pastor of our culture, and uh, I basically we have a set of twelve core values. A lot of people think that's too many. And they work for us, um, but they really grew out of what we had built as a family-owned company, surrounded by friends that we considered family, and now you know, surrounded by people over a thousand in the home office. Uh, and those 70,000 ladies out there we still consider family and uh, our brand really and culture is a, it's, it's 100% about loving others loving others well and uh, putting others first and giving them opportunity we tell our employees you know we want you to go home in better shape at the end of the day than you walked in in the morning. We don't. We believe it's our responsibility as employers to help people find a place where they can be fulfilled in their work so that they can be better moms and dads and husbands and wives and whatever it is. And so many people, work kind of steals all that away from them. Mm-hmm. They come home frustrated every day. They aren't fulfilled. So we've tried to create a really open culture where people can be honest with each other, but we're very loving and we're very caring. We serve each other. We put, uh, we try like crazy to put other people's needs. We don't always succeed at this, but put other people's needs in front of our needs as leaders. We're a first-name company. We just uh, were moving into a new facility here in Columbus, and they were making um, signs for the doors. And they said, what are we going to put on everybody's office door? There's not that many offices in the place. I said, I want first names only Mm -hmm. because we're a first-name company. Well, what if I'm looking for a different Dave? Then you talk to the Dave you're in front of and ask him because it's just another opportunity to create a new relationship. So we're very much relationship focused. And then one of the other ways is, is, is we're really always just striving to keep our culture front and center in front of people. Um, and say, look, guys, this is who we want to be. We're not going to win it every day, and we're not going to be it every day. But we have a really strong why here, and our why is to offer that opportunity to other ladies. And everyone here in the four walls of where we work, we're working for them every day. They always come first. So as a company, we even try to model servant leadership that here we are at the home office. But we, again, we don't sell bags we provide opportunity for mm-hmm. ladies to sell bags, and and we're there to support them. It, I always say it's their business, not our business, and 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 so part of my job there is just to make sure that we're always doing that. I, I don't get into spreadsheets and numbers, and I don't need to. Cindy's got a grand hold on that. We've got great qualified leaders there. My chief job really is to make sure that we remain true to who what, what we believe was a calling for us, mm-hmm. and that's to and that's to love people well through this.
1: Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that. Um, When you think about, um, again, we're talking about leadership is love or or caring leadership. What do you think um, along this whole path, right? You've got this this company that went back 15 years, right? You just had the 15-year anniversary, right? And so looking at those challenges Mm -hmm. along the way, I'm sure there have been many. Oh, yeah. you know, recently someone said something to me that it didn't change the challenge, but it it set my thinking free. I was really frustrated with something and scale-wise, you know, relays, you know, much smaller. I think there are similar frustrations with with visionaries, and that is this. What you want for your company always outpaces your resources today. And I don't necessarily mean like money, although that could be one of the resources, but it could be capabilities. It could be just we're not there yet, and why that's so frustrating to me is because it that never goes away. Because as soon as I get there, yeah, my vision's already you know twenty yeah. feet out or twenty yards, twenty you know miles out in front of that, and so I live in that tension. And but once someone said to me, "But Shannon, that's the gig." Yeah, right. That was probably one of my biggest challenges that. It's not a challenge that's resolved, but I'm thinking about it differently. What is one of your either personal, professional, or both biggest challenges on this 15-year journey up to this point? Yeah. So I think um,
0: <clears throat> because Cindy is very entrepreneurial and very visionary, and uh, my mom always says she has the faith of a five-year-old child, like she really does. Cindy believes that, it, that if God kind of puts a dream or vision in, in your heart... That the only reason it can fail is if you choose not to do everything you can to achieve that vision. So she always believes there's one more person to reach and there's always more people <clears throat> to give this opportunity to. And that drives her. So, kind of every time we reach a, one of those big milestones or we get to a place where we're really comfortable, she's like that. She's always looking out front. That can be a challenge because our teams kind of get used to a pace and they feel really good. And then they're ready, you know, they're ready to kind of coast a little bit. But Cindy's like, but there's more people. There's there's more ladies out there. There's more. We can always do more. We can always do more. It's not about performance. And again, it's not about growing the company to a certain number of revenue. It's really about just as long as Cindy sees ladies who haven't had this opportunity, like that opportunity we talked about earlier for that lady who left one life behind and got a new life as a result of this community, as long as there's ladies who... Who need that Cindy's going to want to always put it in front of them whatever it takes to get there so um, so it, it's a challenge, but it's also a blessing for me i 'm kind of the other side'm i 'm the contemplative who says no hold on <laughs> you know we always have that we do this little we've done this little talk about how she likes to stay on a path and she 's fast going down the path and i 'm kind of the guy that wants to go play in the grass and <laughs> smell the flowers and we 're a really good balance for each other in that because sometimes she does need to stop and reconsider sometimes she does need to stop and just Enjoy and play in the grass, and then very often I need to be dragged along and and keep moving so that we can uh, continue to reach reach those those more people.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that because my really my one of my last questions was going to be, and I'll ask it: is how do you rest, play, um, either specifically or broadly? But I guess the reason why I'm asking it is because when. A family, a marriage is so intertwined into the business, right? Yeah. There's a family-run, family-founded yeah. business. Um, I could imagine that it would be easy for the business to be part of the identity,
0: yeah.
1: both in a family, um, as individuals. Um, I know I struggle with that with Relay because I, I've built so much of what we're doing that I have to really separate the two, it's hard to do that. It's hard to really find time to do that. Yeah. And so how do you handle that?
0: So again, I attribute a lot to my wife, um, but early on in the business, I think it was probably our first season in, um, a lot needed to be done. But we felt like, and I'd seen this a lot in the ministry, kind of where very unintentionally, but a lot of times families got neglected because the work of the ministry was so important. And it, it always happens. It happens every Sunday. In the South, it happens every Sunday two, three, four times a day, every (laughs) Wednesday, there's always a Tuesday night something and a Thursday night something. And it's just one thing after another. And there's a Saturday men's prayer breakfast twice a month. And there's, you know, there's all this schedule. And I saw, I actually sat with pastors. I was on the road for a number of years playing in churches and I had pastors sit in my car and and cry and say, I wish I'd done this differently. Mm -hmm. My kids are grown and they're gone. And so I think because of our experience there, when we started this business, we, we were very purposeful about family time and when family time happens and how often we're going to do family time and what we're going to be, what kind of person we're going to be to our kids when we're with our kids, what kind of person we're going to be to each other. Because we, we're in love with, each, with God first for us, family or each other second, family third, business is fourth for us. And we prioritize that and we've prioritized it every year. So even as the business has grown and we've gotten more, um, more and more people to to worry about and take care of at the home office, we still have been very intentional about places to get away, time to get away. Who gets to come when we go away? Our kids know that there are, there are always at least one or two. We'll call them vacations or weekends away or whatever a year. At least one or two of those a year when nobody's going but the four of us and our kids who are now. Almost, uh, Alex is almost twenty-one. Evan is seventeen, going to turn eighteen this summer. Uh, when we ask them about where you want to go for vacation, they always say, "We, well, you know what? Can we, this one be just the four of us?" Yeah. You know, and they're our best friends, and it's a, it's a blessing to have kids that age want to be with their parents first and foremost and want to hang out with us. But they're, you know, we, it's a cliche, but they're our best friends for real. But I think it's because we've been very intentional and very purposeful about what our priorities are from a time standpoint and from time with our family. And, and they've always taken priority, and we get to model that for 70,000 women and yeah. their families through this business. And that's the biggest thing. When Cindy and I dated, we used to pray. We had one prayer, God, use our relationship for other relationships, for other husbands and wives. We weren't married at the time, but other people were dating, husbands and wives, for other parents. And it's been extraordinary to see that this whole this whole bag thing and this whole direct selling thing, the influence it's had on answering a prayer we prayed 25, 26, 27 years ago has been extraordinary.
1: That's so, so good. A so side note, one of the most rewarding experiences is having my kids transition into young adults. Like yeah, moving awesome. from that disciplinarian to more of an advisor to a friendship yeah, has great. been, isn't it fun? That's yeah, great. It's, it's, I always say in different stages, oh, this is my favorite, but this is really my favorite time. Yeah. It's been my favorite time because now, like, my daughter's like, hey, mom, can I come over and hang out tonight? Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah go back home after. But I mean, you know, it's
0: it's so great. I'm just kidding. It's it's, it's been such fun to to hang, just to hang with them.
1: Well, and I love how we can then extend the same servant leadership ethos to our kids in that, in that sense that we can show up in a certain way to them too. So that's really awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much. Thank you for your friendship. Yeah. Um, Thank you for speaking into my life for what you've done for this organization, you've you've done more than you even know for Relay, and and what has e- helping us evolve to where we are today. And um, I just just honored to know you, man.
0: It's honored to know you. I
1: Just love you. So and I get um, to be on slapcast? I can't believe we didn't break out into song. I always hear a phrase at some point that makes you think that makes you me song. think of a song, and then I and I break out into that song. Yeah. So um, yes. Yeah. Well, that's I got about. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. For some
0: reason, I got ladies leave you man at home. The, the club, club is, is full, full of ballers and, and the pocket's puck full. Anyway,
1: that's a good song. Yeah,
0: it's a good song. I don't know why it came to my. Mind.
1: I don't know, but that's we're leaving that in there. We're leaving that in there for sure. <laughs> Listen, everyone, thanks for joining us, Scott. Again, thank you for yeah, being here. You. It's always so much fun talking to you. We appreciate you sharing this journey with our Slapcast listeners. Just a reminder to connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, I keep saying download the podcast, but it's subscribe to the podcast. And again, you can reach me at info at All right, folks, until next time, we'll see ya.